how to respect like worshiping God and um, and all that stuff. So, you know, go to the bathroom ahead of time and all that stuff. All right. Sound good. All right. Sweet. I got a question for you guys. Um, does anybody like conspiracy theories? Yes. yes. Okay. Can you give me some conspiracy theories that you guys like or you're into? Can you think of any? The moon landing was fake. Actually, I got a slide right here. Can we pull it up, Dom? I got some conspiracy theories. So there you see they're filming the moon landing fake. Who believes the moon landing was actually fake? I'm just curious if we have any. Okay. So we have some believers in here. All right. We got, do we have any uh, flat earthers? Any flat earthers? No. Okay. Levi, that does not surprise me. <laughs> okay. I mean, the earth is flat. Just look at the ground. It's flat, right? Okay, maybe not flat earth. Maybe like bumpy earth. Maybe that's, that's what it is. Okay, do we have any uh, believers in aliens? Can I just say something about aliens real quick? So here's the deal. What if... What if aliens are real, but... They're not aliens. What if they're angels? When you look at how the Bible describes angels, um, some of them are really weird looking, like with a bunch of eyes and stuff like that. Angels, demons. And so I'm just throwing it out there. It might be possible that sometimes people think they're interacting with an alien, but it could be a angel. So I don't know. You never know. There's actually... Since we're talking about this, I just have to go into it. In the book of Genesis, okay, there's this thing that it talks about people call the Naphtali. Okay, this is in Genesis. It's in the first five chapters. I couldn't tell you the exact chapter. But basically what happens is angels were coming down and having kids with people. And it created this monster race called Naphtali. And it was just messed up and God had to like make them extinct. This is in the Bible. And then you go... There's like cultures in like the other side of the world where they talked about star. There's like in their legends, in their myths and stuff, they have like star people came down and did like weird stuff. And it just makes you wonder if this is talking about angels. People think it's aliens, but I wonder if people's experience with aliens was actually maybe experienced with a demon or some kind of angel. I'm just throwing it out there. There's a conspiracy theory. There's so many, right? Is the earth really round? Why are there pyramids? All over the world, not just in Egypt, ancient pyramids all over the world. I don't know. There's all kinds of things. And so I'm not going to get into every conspiracy theory tonight, but there's one mystery that people have spent more money on, more time thinking about, more time trying to solve, more emotional energy than any other mystery ever of all time. Anybody know what the topic is? What do you think? Who God is? That's definitely good. It's in the ballpark of that. That God is. Yeah, who God is. That's kind of the same ballpark too. Those are all true, but they're all connected to this question of what happens when we die. Everybody kind of wonders because we know what it feels like to like be alive and walk around. But we always wonder what happens when we die. Like, is there any hope? After that, or even the question, why do we die? Because somewhere deep inside, we kind of feel like 
we're not really supposed to die. Something doesn't feel right. Right, Jorge? Jorge, you got to move, buddy. Already, dude. Come on. Something doesn't feel right. Right? Like we know we're not supposed to live in the world where there is death. And I know you know that. And I know that you feel like the world is kind of messed up. And so we have to ask this question of what do we do about this world that we live in where everything around us is dying? When deep inside we feel like we weren't really made for that. God answers this question with a story. And it's not exactly what you might expect. Now, I'm not going to turn this into a message on like, okay, you die, there's heaven, there's hell. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about while we're living, how do we process the suffering and the death and the sickness and all these things that we see all around us? God's word gives us a story. Jesus had this friend named Lazarus. Can you guys say Lazarus? Lazarus. Kind of a cool name. So we had this friend named Lazarus, and they did some of this fun stuff. Like, they would play games. I put the old Uno up there because, you know, it was a long time ago. So they had to play the old version of Uno. But they'd play games together. They'd have meals together. That's Jesus from The Chosen. And uh, he was a close friend of Jesus. And I don't know exactly all the details. The Bible doesn't give us all the details of how they met, how they knew each other. But we know that they were good friends. We know that Jesus loved him very much. And Jesus got the news one day that Lazarus was sick. Now, Lazarus had these two sisters, Mary and Martha, who were taking care of him at the time when he was sick. And he, I like to imagine maybe he had like a fever and they're just, they're, they're, trying to take care of him. He just got really, really sick so bad to the point where they sent people to say, Jesus, we need your help. This person that you love, Lazarus, is sick. They were feeling pretty hopeless, but they thought, good thing that we know this Jesus guy who literally just walks around and like touches people or blind people and the, they see. And like miracles happen. So like, that's, that's kind of like knowing a doctor, but even better. So they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, Lazarus is really sick. Can you please help us? You're going to heal him, right? But what is Jesus' reaction? In John chapter 11, verse 3, says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. If anybody has the answer to why is there suffering in our world? Why is there sickness in our world? It has to be Jesus. It has to be God's only son who came down here to reveal who God is to us. It has to be him. How did Jesus navigate it when somebody that he loved, like personally in a relationship close to him, got sick and was suffering and was going to die? I got to be honest. The answer is not what you might expect. When I was 13, my grandpa got diagnosed with leukemia and He held on for about a year. He was like 75, 76 years old. 
And he would, you know, send me, give me like little voicemails of, you know, love you because he just knew he was going to die. And my grandpa actually, since he knew he was going to die for so long, he actually planned his own funeral. What a boss, right? So he planned his own funeral and, and all that stuff, even down to like the very brochures and everything like that. And he passed away. And that was the first time that I had to face somebody that I loved dying. And maybe some of you guys have experienced that or maybe you haven't experienced that yet. Right now, that me and Brianna are going through a season where our grandparents are just like going. That story I just shared with you, that was over 10 years ago. But right now, uh, in the past two years, we've lost, me and Brianna have lost three grandparents. And right now, my, what, my other grandma just got diagnosed with pretty bad cancer as well. And so how do we deal with suffering? How do we deal with loss, with pain? And I think the main question that we really ask, we really ask ourselves is like, why? How could a good God make a world where we suffer or allow that world to continue? We know that suffering is a result of sin that came into our world. God didn't originally create it that way, but still God has allowed it to go on. What did Jesus do about this when he personally experienced it? He says, okay, I know that he's sick, but I know that this sickness will not end in death. God's going to do something to bring his glory out of this. And then Jesus does something that makes absolutely no sense. Like if, if you told me, hey, your wife or your close friend is sick right now. They're about to die. They're like on the edge of life right now. You need to come and visit them just to visit them. I would go visit them. But if I had the power of like healing to just magically say, all right, be healed. I would definitely go visit them right away. I would hop on the freeway and go. But Jesus is like, no, I'm going to wait. What the heck, Jesus? Right? Why are you doing that? That's what I wonder. Jesus waited, actually, in this story. He didn't wait for Lazarus to get better. He waited for Lazarus to die before he went. John chapter 11, verse 32. Jesus shows up on the scene. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he, this is key right here, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? The answer is yes. And they knew the answer was yes. Jesus knew the answer was yes. But Jesus chose to wait and let Lazarus die. He goes to the tomb where Lazarus was and he cries about Lazarus' death that he could have prevented. This is a weird story. Why is Jesus doing this? 
Why did Jesus wait while Mary, Martha, all these family members of Lazarus, they're suffering. They're losing somebody close to them, somebody that they love. And Jesus is just waiting. Have you ever asked Jesus to help you and he just waited? Have you ever asked God for help and he just waited? God, there's starving people everywhere. There's injustice everywhere. You can fix it with a snap of your finger. And God just waits. God, I've been struggling with this addiction. You can take it away right now if you want to. But he waits. God, my parents keep fighting every night. Can you please just make it stop, God? But he, he waits. God, I want to have friends who love me and I love them. Why can't I just have good friends? Why do I keep running into all these toxic people? Can't you just give me good friends? Tomorrow. And he waits. I want the depression to go away. You can do it. Miraculously, God, I know you can take it away. And he waits. Why does God wait while we suffer? When one of his closest friends was sick, Jesus did not get up right away and go. He waited until he died. And sometimes God waits to see who will wait with him. And as you wait with him, a part of you dies in that process. Like if you're waiting for God to give you a forgiving heart, as you're waiting, that bitter part of you is going to die. If you're waiting for God to give you a secure identity, as you wait on the Lord, the insecure parts of you are going to die. If you wait for God to heal a sick family member, Something close to my heart. I have sick family members. The self-reliant part of you will die as you learn to rely on him. Waiting sucks because dying sucks. It's hard. And God is not always fair from our point of view. Straight up. Now, there's some churches that you'll go to and they'll just, everything's just all happy and like sunshine and dandelions. I'm going to tell you guys straight up because you need the truth. You have enough people lying to you right now. You have enough people lying to you at school. You have enough people lying to you online. The truth is, from our point of view, it doesn't always feel like God's fair. It doesn't always feel that way. But the truth is, even if it doesn't feel like God is always fair, God is always good. And one of the hardest things that you're going to have to do as you're growing up is learning how to navigate those two things doesn't feel fair to me, God, but I'm trusting that you're good. And that's something that Jesus is actually going to show us. Because Jesus did not just wait while Lazarus suffered and died. Jesus actually suffered himself. He wept. He grieved. He suffered alongside Mary and Martha, the other family members who were suffering because of this sickness. God suffers with us. Now that's a crazy thought. That the creator of the universe would sympathize with you in your pain. That the creator of the universe feels your fear. 
He feels your anxiety. He feels your depression. He feels it. He suffers and he himself weeps. In this life, God does not heal all of our sicknesses. Jesus, in his ministry, he did not heal every sick person. God does not heal all of our sicknesses, but he does know what it feels like. He does not save everyone from death, but he does grieve with us as they go. He might not heal your parents' marriage if things are tough at home right now, but, and part, partly that's up to your parents, right? That's them and that's between them and God. But still, he will hold your hand through that process. He might not give you the friends that you want right now, but he gets it because Jesus, when he needed his friends the most, literally all of his friends left him. Jesus gets what it feels like to be betrayed by friends. God gets you better than anybody gets you because God became you. God became one of us to sympathize with our weakness. And he waits, but while he waits with you, he cries with you at the same time. No other God in any other religion is like this, you guys. Only our God is like this. And while Jesus waited, Lazarus died and Jesus cried. The story continues in John chapter 11, verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. She's like, Jesus, we don't want to open that grave because it smells like a middle school boy's cabin at camp right now. It is horrible. We don't want to go in there. I got to admit, our boys, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, but still, we don't want to open that cave. Dead bodies, not a good smell, Jesus. He says, open it up. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, and now he's praying audibly in front of everybody around him. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, the people standing around him, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. People look at this story oftentimes and they focus a lot on Lazarus. And we look at the story and it is a picture of what happens to us when we're saved. The Bible talks about how we are dead in our sins. If Jesus is not your Savior, if you have not put your faith and trust in Him to follow Him, you are dead in your sins. But when you turn to Him and you just trust in Him, you put your faith in Him, that's all it takes. Just believe in Him. You receive the gift of salvation. You become alive. He makes you alive. That's why we sing that song, I ran out of that what? Grave. That's what happens to us. 
And just like Lazarus here was dead, Jesus calls him out. That's a picture of what happens to you when you're saved. A lot of people look at this story and focus in on Lazarus. And that's not wrong. But I don't think that's totally the main point. Jesus didn't do this miracle so people would look at Lazarus. He did this miracle so people would look at him. He said, I'm doing this to give you a sign that God sent me. In that prayer, the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus wants us to look at him. But what does he want us to know about him? I want to go backwards in this story to a woman named Martha. And she's sitting out on her front porch. And she's been sitting out there for hours and hours and hours. And she holds this dry cloth in her hand that only maybe a day ago was a wet cloth that she used to cool off Lazarus' fever. But now Lazarus is dead. So now it's just dry. And she's looking at it. And she's wondering, why isn't Jesus here yet? I know how long the trip takes for him to get here, but he's not here yet. Why isn't God helping us? It's not just like God was like this far away, like heavenly person like we think of. Jesus was their friend. Jesus loved Lazarus. He cried. He weeped over Lazarus. Why isn't Jesus coming? Martha's wondering to herself. And off in the distance, she sees Jesus and his disciples walking. And she runs up to him and was like, where have you been? In John chapter 11, verse 22, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, this is the I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Martha says this word. Resurrection. What does resurrection mean? Somebody help me out. What does it mean, Malachi? Come back to life. Coming back from the dead. In the Old Testament, it talks about this day where everybody will be resurrected. Their bodies will be resurrected. And Jesus says, Lazarus is going to rise again. And she's like, I know he is because we believe this thing in the Bible in the Old Testament where it says that. And she's talking about a day, a hopeful day that they're looking forward to. And Jesus' response is, you're looking forward to a day, which it's, it's a real day. It's a real thing. But you need to be looking at me. Why is there suffering? Why does God wait while we suffer? What's the solution? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Don't put your hope in just this day or this place. Put it, your, put it in me. And the fact that death won't have the final say. But how much longer will I have to wait while I suffer? Have you ever wondered that? God, how much, like, it kind of sucks down here sometimes, right? Planet Earth. Yeah. That's why, like, in all the, like, Marvel shows, 
They're always trying to destroy Earth. I don't blame them. (laughs) Out of all the planets in that fictional galaxy, they're always trying to destroy Earth. Because it's hard. Because sin messed up our world. Because death messed up our world. How much longer will I have to wait while I suffer? And maybe you're like, I believe in Jesus. I am a new creation. I walked out of that grave like Lazarus, but still, why am I still in pain? Why are all my life's problems solved? God's promise to you is not that life would be perfect. The promise is that you don't have to do it alone. The promise is not that you never wait. The promise is that Jesus is coming back and in the meantime, he's going to wait with you. He's going to suffer with you. But even while you do wait, you can really be alive. And right now we're in this weird middle space. We're in the middle space of like, we know that eternal life is coming, but we're not there yet. And we're kind of, the Bible describes this middle space as labor pains. Now, if you've given birth, I haven't given birth. Who's given birth in this room? There we go. Is that pleasant? Oh. Labor, pain, labor pains are not pleasant. It's not fun.